we're holding towards the end of the Samach Tzadis Nesiyas in regards to the Rebbe Marash. So we already said earlier that even as a child, the Marash's brothers noticed that the guidance that their father was giving him was much more intense than anything they received when they were his age. So as a result, when their father arranged that the Marash should move into the apartment right next door, right after his uh, first wife passed away, um, this could have been a clear sign that there was some special connection between them. However, people didn't realize how close the connection was. That they said, oh, it's just because he was born when his father was already, uh, like he's a, what's called a ben zakunim, right? That, that he was born in his father's old age. Um, or or they, they thought it was a way that the, his father was trying to comfort him for the loss of his wife. And Taka, that's how the Tzemach Tzedek wanted it to be looked at. When the Marash was 19 years old, he became very dangerously sick. His white blood cells, the, that's the, <clears throat> the your, your, your blood is like split into different parts. You have red blood cells, white blood cells. So the white blood cells are the ones that fight uh, diseases and stuff like that. So it began to multiply too much, meaning you can't have too much of anything. And it, and it, and it was basically stuck in bed. Um, Yeah. Um, and Dr. Heibenthal, the famous Dr. Heibenthal, who helped so many of the Rabbeim, he came from Vitebsk. He, he, took, he came just to take care of the Rebbe Marash, before he was Rebbe. And while the Tzemach Tzedek was asking Hashem to, to save him. During that time, the Tzemach Tzedek once remarked, he said, I asked for this child and named him Shmuel, and I was hoping that he would live at least as long as Shmuel Anavi. Right? Shmuel Anavi was 52. But, but even that age might not be reached. And miraculously, the, the Marash's situation stabilized, but he was forced to rest for a few months. He was forced to rest. Now, we, 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 we know already that the Rebbe Marash did not live as long as Shmuel Hanavi. Right? He didn't make it to 52. Anyways, the, during his recovery, the Tzemach Tzedek would visit him every single day. And since he wasn't allowed to, to work hard, physically or mentally. So the Tzemach Tzedek was not allowed. The doctor said, you're not allowed to talk terror with him because it's going to make him use his brain too much. So instead he told him about stories of the Baal Shem Tev and the Magid and the, the Alter Rebbe. And he, he would also repeat to him and hug him, he noticed, by the Alter Rebbe and the Middle Rebbe. And these visits, he would, he would, when he would come visit his son, it would go for three, four hours at a time, which is a long time for the Rebbe to spend. A short time after he completely recovered, this is in 1852 in Cheshvan, the Tzemach Tzedek began learning with him daily for two and a half hours at a time. And this went on for almost four years. In the winter, they would learn starting at 10 p.m., going for two and a, two and a half hours. And in the summer, they would start at 4 a.m. And they would end at 6.30 6, uh, basically. And at these, these are hours where it was very quiet in the Beis Arav and nobody was around to realize that the learning is going on. Because right? you don't want to make the brothers uh, jealous. For the first two years, the Tzemach Tzedek taught his son Kabbalah 
as it's explained by the teachings of Hasidus. After that, for almost another two years, till Elul of 1856, when this session, when this type of session, study session ended for them, he taught his son uh, philosophy, right, which is called Chakira, which is not usually studied by almost anybody today. It's very rare to find someone who studies it. Not, I'm not saying that they never opened up a Sefer Chakira. I'm saying that the Mamish studied it for hours. So they would learn the the Repsadi Goyim or Nevuchim by the Rambam, uh, Sefer Ha'ikrim by Rabbi Yosef Alboy, the Kuzari, right, the famous Kuzari, and other Svarim. So there's a, a few other Svarim that are mentioned. I think there's a, there's a, there's a Sefer called Kuzari Hasheni uh, by Rabbi David Nieto, who was a Rav in London. So he also wrote a, a similar Sefer. Anyways, once again, the Tzamach Sedek explained all these things, all the Chakira Svarim, according to the teachings of Hasidus. Now, additionally, besides for this study session, on almost every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, the Tzanach Sedek would review in front of him my martyrdom of his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, uh, that he personally repeated to him. These my martyrdom included the my martyrdom that the Alter Rebbe heard from the Magid when he was his Talmud and his rich, uh, as well as those that the Magid repeated to him privately in the name of the Balshemtiv. Additionally, besides for all that, the Alter Rebbe reviewed. The Alter Rebbe. Yeah, the Alter reviewed in front of the Tzemach Tzedek the memorandum that he himself said in the early years of his Nasius, when the Tzemach Tzedek wasn't 15 yet and he couldn't come to the memorandum. And these were the memorandum that the, that the Tzemach Tzedek now reviewed privately, in secret, with his son. Many years later, after these Talkus of the Rebbe Marash, this is meaning. Many years later, so the Chassid Reb Shmuel Ber Barasover told a story that he himself witnessed during those years, which shows to the extent the closeness between the Tzemach Sadek and the Maharash. He said it was the night of Simchas Torah, 1853. The Maharash was 19 years old, and since I was extremely close to Beis Harav, so I entered the Rebbe's house and I just sat down to rest over there. However, since I was exhausted, within a few minutes, I fell asleep. And sometime later, I woke up and horrified my lack of respect. What kind of chutzpah do I have falling asleep in the house of the Rebbe? And I quickly got up and I went into a small side room, which was next to the Rebbe's room. I didn't want to be noticed by anyone. And as I was thinking, what do I do next? I noticed that the door to the Rebbe's room suddenly opened and the Rebbe hurriedly walked out. And he went to the Maharash's apartment, which was right next to his. And he knocks on the window, and a few moments later, they both entered the room where I was standing. And like, I'm, I'm like trying to become invisible over here because I don't want anyone to know I'm here. And the Rebbe and his son are in there. They don't, you know. And I started to shake, especially because I heard the Rebbe say to his son, the Marash, he said, Zayda, who's Zayda? The Rebbe, promised to come and learn with me a Mishnah in Mesech Bikurim. The way he studied it in Gan Eden Atachtin. And they both entered the Rebbe's room and they closed the door behind them. Right, that's the story he told over. I get it. He was probably shaking like who knows what. And then they went into the Tzemach Tzedek's room. So around this time, the Tzemach Tzedek instructed the Marash to review in Lubavitch the, the Maimarim that he would be saying. But as we said previously, the, the Marash didn't want to do this in public, so he called his teacher, the Rashbats, and he set up the, the, 
the spices and stuff like that. Uh, and, they, and he called them all by names of Hasidim. So after there was a fire in uh, 1858, 1859, when many of the Tzemach manuscripts were destroyed, so he instructed the Marash to make copies of whatever transcripts of his and anything that was saved, just make copies of everything, just in case. And his only condition was that the copyist should sit in the Maharash's apartment and write them down, meaning no Ksav is allowed to leave this house. So all this, while all this shows that all the manuscripts were made available to him and not his brothers, but at that time people had thought the reason was just a technical one. Why why you letting the Maharash do it because he lives right here, right? It's the safest thing. But there are, this, this, these are just a few of the stories that we're aware of that demonstrate the special connection that the Maharash had with his father. There's also many interactions that we, we, we know them and we only have a small clue of what was really going on. But just from these small little things, we can see how great the connection was between the Tzanach Tzadik and the Maharash. Um, so we said earlier, she mentioned it a bunch of times, the Maharash's uh, house, his apartment, whatever, was right next to his father's. Um, now, we're going to say the full story later, but basically, uh, a year before the Rebbe Rashab was born, Rebbe Rifka had a dream. Right, a very famous story, and in the dream, she saw her Zayda, the Mikola Rebbe, together with the Alta Rebbe, and they both benched her with a child, and they instructed her and her husband, the Maharash, to write a Sefer Taino. Um, and the, the finishing of the Sefer Taino was going to be celebrated in a public ceremony with thousands of Hasidim. However, the plans changed, and the Tzemach Tzedek instructed his son to include the writing of the Sefer Taino secretly in the Tzemach Tzedek's room. And the only people there, besides for the Sefer, was the Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe Tzachayim Moshka, the Marash, and Rebbe Tzimrifka. That was it. Now, how is it possible that no one was aware of such a Siyam, a Siyam Sefer Torah? Like, how did no one know about it? And the answer is simply because it took place at night. No one else is in the house. And that's it. So, for a long period of time, for almost 12 years, when the Tzemach Tzedek and his son lived near each other, they spent hours each night hidden away from public view. So you can only imagine how much more the Tzemach Tzedek revealed to him and not to everybody else, the other sons. So, for example, a few weeks after the bris of the Rebbe Rashab, so his mother, the, the, the Marash's mother, Rebbe Tzachai Mushka, passed away. So at that time, his father, the Tzemach Tzedek, shared with him something very private and personal. And he told him how the Alter Rebbe saved his marriage. He was going to divorce his wife and the Alter Rebbe came and made Shalom Bayes between them. At the upturnish of the Rebbe Rashab, this is in 1863, the Tzemach Tzedek said to the Maharash, the Baal Shem Tov gave a Yeruchni's jug of oil to the Maggit to give to the Alter Rebbe, with which he anointed his son, the Rebbe, and the Alter Rebbe also anointed me as well. And I am anointing you now with this Ruchni's jug of oil. And I am anointing also your son, the Rashab, who was 
uh, not the oldest, I think. I think the the Razal was older, right? Of the next Rebbe of his generation. Now, this is the earliest place where it's stated clearly that the Tzemach Tzedek appointed the Maharash as his successor. Um, when, he, when he actually anointed him to succeed him as a Rebbe is not known. Um, but we said previously that the Maharash was nine years old. His father already started preparing him uh, special guidance for how to be a Rebbe. Um, but we don't know exactly what, when the timeline was. It could have been earlier, it could have been later. Now, one thing is very clear, 100%, that long before the Istalkos of the Tzemach Sedek, it was clear to both him and his son that the Maharash would become the next Rebbe of Chabad Lubavitch. Uh, but for whatever reason, this fact was hidden. It, it was not like he publicly let it be known until it came time for it to be publicized. Now, so now we're holding by the Istalkos of the Tzemach Sedek. So it was... So just to go backwards a little bit on Ches Teves, in 1860, the Marash's mother, Rebbe Sechai Mushka, was Nistalik. And after her patira, the Tzemach Sedek asked the Marash to take over the household jobs, right? So Rebbe Rivka basically took over a lot of things, preparing uh, food, anything like that. Now really, Be'emes, she was already doing this for a few years before, when Rebbe Sechai Mushka became sick, she already took over. But now it became official. Um, so it's possible because of this that the Maharash began spending more time with his father especially since the following year the Tzemach Sadiq himself became sick and this illness got worse and worse over the next four years until his Istalkos and he spent more and more time with him with more and more time at home um, which means that the Tzemach Sadiq and the Maharash now had even more time to spend together every Erev Reish Hashanah, all of the Semach Tzedek's children in Lubavitch would come to him with their families to get a bracha for a Shana Teva Musuka. And Erev Reish Hashanah, Tav Reish Chavav, 1865, was no exception. And the Semach Tzedek's children, they gather in his house as usual. However, to their distress, he informed them that he's just too weak to bench them all individually. Instead, he's going to bench them as a group, wishing them, wishing all of you a Gemar Chesimetayva. After the Tzemach Tzedek benched his children and their families, they benched him with a Rafua Shlema, Gemar Chesimetayva, and they returned home. After they all left, the Tzemach Tzedek called in the Maharash and benched him a second time individually. At that Tishrei, the Tzemach Tzedek told the Maharash, you are now to begin saying Chassidus in public. Just as the Chassidim listen to me, they're going to listen to you. So knowing the nature of his son, that his son was, uh, was very good at hiding his greatness, the Tzemach Tzedek started to write two letters to the Maharash about this instruction. And this way, it wouldn't just look like, oh, it's, it's my wish that you do this, or I'm requesting that you do this. It's an instruction. It's a demand. I'm demanding that you do this. This way, he couldn't continue to say it privately in his own room like he was doing until now. Um, 
So while the rest of the Marash's brothers would publicly review their father's chassidus every Shabbos, none of them were permitted to say their own maimorim. But now, the Tzemach Sadek was instructing the Marash not only to publicly review his maimorim, to review the Tzemach Sadek's maimorim, but to say his own as well, even in Lubavitch, the message was very clear who the successor should be. This instruction was especially important considering the fact that at that point most people had no idea of his true greatness. The fact that he was saying his own Maimarim in his father's base Medrash, that was the strongest sign possible that the Rebbe had chosen him to become the successor. However, it did not, it's not known how many people were informed that he would be saying his own Maimarim and how many people listened to the Maimarim he would say. Um, also, as we're going to discuss soon, even when he was Rebbe, his style was to say short Maimarim. Two or three prakim and that's it. And on the surface, they seemed very simple. Like, didn't look like complicated. Now, since he would hide the depth of how deep the, the, the seichel was in the mimer, he would hide it. Unless you learned it very well, you wouldn't understand how deep the mimer actually was. Um, also, it's not like he went and publicized these letters that his father wrote to him to say the mimerim in public. Um, now, after he became rabbi, however, some of the chassidim began to recognize how deep the mimerim were. Haravdan Tumarkin, one of the chashiv chassidim at that time, he once said about the Rebbe Marash that he made us think that he was just a regular person, nobody special. But once he began to speak, we recognized that there's no topic in Torah or general knowledge that he wasn't extremely knowledgeable in. Throughout the next six months, until the Tzemach Tzedek Sistalkus, the Tzemach Tzedek would call the Marash to his room every single day. And in the privacy of his room, he would open up a medrash and he would read the, the, a pasuk out loud. It says, Right? That, and the medrash says over there that even though Yosef and his brothers died, but their God didn't die. And the meaning of these words was not lost on the Maharash. But in the presence of his father, he can't show any emotion. However, as soon as he goes into his own apartment, he couldn't restrain himself. He bursts into tears. It was on Wednesday night, Yud Gimel Nisan, at uh, 37 minutes after midnight. The Rebbe the Tzemach was nostalgic. And usually the Maharash would always hide and conduct himself in extreme secrecy. But over here, he turns to all the Hasidim that were there and he said, you should know that our father did not die. Whoever wishes to request something of our father, the Rebbe may do so. Right? We said this whole story by uh, the Rebbe and many of the Hasidim did that and they went over and they requested a bracha from the Rebbe, the Tzemach And the Tzemach was buried that same day in Lubavitch. Okay. Now, everything up until here, many, many of the things that we mentioned, we already said a, a, many of these things in the Tzemach Sedek story. 
obviously there are there were a lot of new information that that we didn't say previously but in general everything in the time wise except for a few stories here and there are things that we already had a little bit of knowledge about now we're moving on to the things that we didn't discuss until now because now we're going to start with the Rebbe Maharash accepting the Nesis. Now since, remember, the Histalkus was Yud Gimel Nisan. Now since Pesach starts the following evening, Shiva was over sometime in the afternoon of Erev Pesach. Right? So Shiva lasted for, for a day, maybe a, a, day and a, a day and a quarter. That was it, the whole Shiva. And the Chabad Minug till today is that each son davens as a shliach tzibur for all for the eleven months when Kaddish is said. So each of the Rebbe's sons davened in their own minion during that time. However, there was a difference between the other brothers and the Maharash. The other brothers arranged their own minyanim and davened in the other shuls in Labavitch. The Tzemach Tzedek, however, wrote in his will that the Rebbe Maharash should sit in the Tzemach Tzedek's designated place in Shul. So he davened in the Shul where his father, the Rebbe, would daven. And on Shabbos and Yom Tif, he would sit by the Mizrach wall, right in front of the Shul, to the right of the Aaron Kodesh, right where the Rebbe's chair is now, 770. Right, that's Mizrach wall, up to the right of the Aaron Kodesh. On the day of the Histalkus, Harav Yehudaleib, Maril, became Rebbe in Kapus, so he was in Kremenchuk. Very interestingly, where was the middle Rebbe? But when the Alter Rebbe was in Stalik, Kremenchuk, right? Very interesting. Um, he was fulfilling a mission on behalf of his father, and he was only informed of this uh, terrible news after Pesach. So as a result, he was the only one of the brothers who sat Shiva for, all, for seven days and not just a day and a half. Because the rule is, when it comes to these things, that if, you, if a person starts Shiva and then comes Yom Tif, so Yom Tif knocks off the Shiva, right? But if they only heard about it after Yom Tif and the Shiva starts after Yom Tif, all seven days. Now since the other family members sat Shiva for like a day and a half. So most of the Hasidim are not able, were not able to be Menachem over them. Except for those who happened to be very close to Lubavitch. So anyone who could, they joined the Hasidim from Kremen Shuk. And they came to the Maharil instead. Because they had a whole seven days to go to the Maharil. Shortly after Pesach, many Hasidim, especially Rabbonim and Mashpiim, they traveled to Lubavitch. And this also included those who had gone to Kremen Shuk. Because they wanted to find out, did the Rebbe specify which son should become the new Rebbe? Or, should they all become Rabbeim and they'll just move to different cities? And we will continue tomorrow.